Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, the show's about to start. Now, to be fair, I wanted to start off the show with the song It's Magic by Pilot because it was perfect. It was, except it's Fitz Magic, not It's Magic, but I, I almost had it. I was working on it for about the last 20 minutes trying to get it exactly right, and wouldn't you know it, technology fails once again. So, no Fitz Magic, but Seth, if you're going to... If there are props to be given here, I do believe I said that Jameis Winston wouldn't start more than three or four games this year. And that may be true. He did. Uh, they announced today uh, that Fitz is, Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick will be starting for the Bucks going forward, or at least next week. I'm assuming based on our kind of our Robert Griffin third conundrum from a couple of years ago that Jameis Winston will not be starting another game for for Tampa this year and probably not in the future as well. So um, now the big question is, how much are we bidding on him? So we have $120 left. And ladies and gentlemen, for those that do not follow the show on a normal, regular basis, Seth and I have a fantasy football team. We have done very well in the last couple of years. However, this year we have been plagued. And I mean plagued. Look, everybody else gets injuries, and I get it. We get crap. Okay, we get, we get Devontae Freeman going on IR after playing one and a half games. We got Le'Veon Bell not even playing. And now, last week, we decide finally to dump Fitzmagic because we thought Winston's finally getting it, and we have him for the first four games. And, of course, just like, can we call him the new D'Angelo Williams? Because I think that's exactly what we did with D'Angelo Williams. We, we had him for four weeks. And we said, eh, we don't need him anymore. Le'Veon gets hurt, eh, we bid $75, and we get D'Angelo Williams back. So the question is, do we bid for Ryan Fitzpatrick? And if so, my friends, we have $121 to do it. What's our bid? Well, we always, you always need to have a couple extra at the end of the day. So you want to bid about, if you want to bid, you know, there may be a wide out that we need to pick up considering – uh, just considering, but I mean, to get them, probably 40, 45 bucks. Or is that, you think okay. that's not going to be uh, enough if someone's going to bid 100 well, change? Here's the thing if we bid 45, that means somebody's got to bid more. And I'm okay with that. Like, even if it takes more, are we going in with the content? Look, I'm okay with the, the four quarterbacks we have. I actually legitimately am. Derek Anderson, I like because the guy that we play in week 10 has two guys on bye and Josh Allen. So if Allen doesn't come back the week before his bye week, well, he doesn't have a quarterback. And I'm not giving him Derek Anderson just for leaping giggles. So he has him. We, we, I think we, we won by four. We had him for $4. So if we're looking to get him, I don't mind spending 40 45 and let's, let's see if we can get him. I don't think anybody's going to bid that high. 
I think we might get him at 40 or 45. And, yeah, we give up Derek Anderson, but that's, that's okay. I, I, I don't mind giving up Derek Anderson if we get the Fitzmagic. Now, if you saw today, Le'Veon Bell is probably, well, we have the NFL trading deadline tomorrow. And, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, welcome to the show, number one. Number two, our <laughs> question of the day. What five things would you change in sports? And they can go the gambit. Like, I don't ever want to see a pass interference call again. I want there not to be helmets in the NFL. I want goalies not to wear any padding. I mean, I would suggest that not be the case. But, look, what would make sports, and you can pick any sport. You can pick, I'm sure, I'm sure Seth's got a boxing thing coming or an MMA thing coming. But what out of the sports would you change? And we'll talk, to, we'll talk about that at the bottom of the hour. For the first half, we have World Series. We have the beginning of the NBA, beginning of the NHL. Look, we, and of course, we have the NFL, and we're talking Fitzmagic here. So Jameis Winston no longer in the plans for the box. The trading deadline tomorrow. The train deadline was pushed back a couple of weeks. It used to be week six. Now it's week eight. Do you see any big trades tomorrow, by tomorrow? I don't think so. You know, there have been more trades this year and last year than in recent memory, um, probably in part because of the pushback of the, of the trade deadline. You, the, na- the names that have come out this you know, uh, Carlos Hyde, um, Eli Apple, Damon Harrison, you know, are we going to see, you know, and those, Eli Manning's not going to waive his, his, is not going to waive his, uh, his no trade waiver to go to Jacksonville, I assume. I, you know, Jenkins could be on his way out, Larry Fitzgerald, if Arizona wants to, you know, if, if this is Fitzgerald's last year and wants to give him a shot at a title. I'm sure they'd be willing to trade him, you know, for that reason only. I, I don't know if that's really Fitzgerald's personality, to be perfectly honest. I don't see Le'Veon being traded. I don't think there's going to be the mass, you know, I don't I don't know what about McCoy, although, I mean, I'll tell you, Green Bay really needs a running back um, to trade for either Bell or McCoy, but I, I don't see it happening. I don't, I don't see any major deal coming, coming down the pike tomorrow. Well, I definitely don't see Le'Veon Bell being traded, and there are a couple of reasons for this. Number one, he needs to sign that tender before he gets traded anyway. So if the deadline's tomorrow, he probably needed to get that tender signed either today or very early in the morning tomorrow to be traded. So I don't see that happening. Uh, I find that the NFL trading deadline is definitely the hardest one to gauge. And I think it's much easier, and I think we've seen this through trades that have happened so far. And Seth, please chime in. It's much easier to, to join a new team if you're on defense than if you are on offense. You, you put a Janoris Jenkins on a team, and you say, okay, Janoris, for week one, since we're already at Tuesday or Wednesday by the time you join my team, and I want you to play – you're going to go cover the Z slot. That's your guy. Go cover. That's it. That's your job. Or if you have a linebacker where it's basically this is your zone, and on running plays, go get the guy, right? I mean, 
when you you don't I mean there are plays when you deal with defense but you don't need to know exactly what route to run you don't really need to know the whole playbook when it comes to defense like you would offense I mean Damian Harrison for the snacks joined the Lions with two days to go and played you know what he's a big guy in the middle what does he really need to know about a playbook Stop the middle. Not that hard. I mean, it's uh, so I see all these good players and all these very, very expensive players that are rumored to be out, like a Demarius Thomas, like a LaShawn McCoy, and like a Le'Veon Bell. Those are positions you need to know a playbook. And sometimes you have to go through an entire preseason to get the playbook down. I think it's very hard for Larry, well, Larry Fitzgerald, even Larry Fitzgerald, I think it's very hard for a number one receiver to join a new team and be effective. Amari, we're going to see it with Amari Cooper, but man, that was a heavy price to pay for Amari Cooper. It does remind you of the of the Roy Williams deal, the Terry Glenn deal. Um, Roy Williams was a two for a first round, a first and a second. Terry Glenn. No, it's two first. Two first. Two first. Both of them were two, two first for Roy Williams. Two point. Two first for Joey Galloway. And neither one came remotely close to materializing in a positive way for the Cowboys. This is this is simply a first round pick, and, and the reality is, you know, Joey Galloway was a speedster. Roy Williams was coming off an All Pro year. Amari Cooper has been Cooper has been pretty lousy the last year and a half, and after a really good first two years, I don't think most people see him as a number one receiver at this point. Now, maybe that could be, you know, maybe he could be revitalized in this Dallas offense, but he's still going to be defended as a number one wide out. And I don't think in comparison to, you know, even the other number ones in the division, when you look at Beckham and you look at Jeffrey, you know, he's, he's a, his, his hands, which is what he, you know, he was well known for at Alabama, having a great set of hands. He's had a lot of drops. He is not, you know, and he has, he's had a pretty decent quarterback in Derek Carr out in Oakland. So for Dallas, I understand why they're doing it. They want, look, they haven't, you know, their relevancy has been debatable over the last 10 years, 20 years, you know, skip the, uh, the the Dak Prescott rookie 13 and three season. And, you know, maybe they think this in a weakened NFC East could get them the division, and it may very well, although I doubt it. Um, but it's giving, you're giving a, a top 20 pick for Amari Cooper, who just simply okay. hasn't been shown to be worth it. I don't think this – look, we don't give John Gruden a whole lot of credit on this show, and I don't think anybody gives John, John Gruden a whole lot of credit, period. This was a steal. This was a steal. I, ser- I don't believe that the Raiders, even if they kept Amari Cooper, were going to pay $15 million for him next year. No. He, so you are basically – so if you're Dallas, you're acquiring a guy who you believe is a number one. That's fine. That's your thought. And if he's going to be a number one and he gets to number one stats, then he's worth a first-round pick. I have no problem with that. If he's on a rookie contract, which he's not, next year is his fifth-year option. 
if anybody picks him up, say Dallas or the Raiders, whoever was going to pay him, he's going to pay him $15 million to play next year. And there is no way, no way Jerry could sell to his fan base, I just picked up a first, I just traded a first round pick for this guy for six games or eight games. It's not going to work. Agreed. So, Agreed. So not only is he a number one, but now you've got to pay him like a number one. And not only do you have to pay him even next year like a number one, you probably have to not go year to year with him because if you do that, you're paying over $35 million for two. You probably have to sign him to a pretty big deal when you have no idea what you're getting. And I, huge, huge mistake. You know, like I said, we don't give John Gruden a whole lot of credit. Joe, John Gruden fleeced the Cowboys with this one. Fleeced them. Okay, so last, last night was the end of the World Series and the end of the baseball season. And for all you Boston fans, congratulations again. <laughs> I mean, again, again, like I have no, I have nothing more to say. You've won, what, 12 championships in the last 12, 15 years in all sports? I mean, you got three from the Red Sox. No, maybe it's a little less. You got three for the Red Sox. How many you got for New England, for the Patriots? Four? Or is it five? It's four since Mikey. 2000. And... So four, oh, seven, 13, and now 18, isn't it? No, I'm talking about for the, for the Patriots. Oh, um, they've won five. Patriots have four, five. So you have five for them. You got four for the Red Sox. You got one for the Celtics. So you got ten. Ten. I have zero. I have nothing. No, I, you're not remotely no, bitter. Yeah, I don't, I'm glad you're not bitter. No, no. Not, you see, if, if it was L.A., I wouldn't be bitter. If it was any other city, I probably wouldn't be bitter. But it's the freaking Boston fans again and again and again. And for any of you Patri- uh, Patriots fans, well, you might as well be in the same boat. For any of you chowderheads that believe that David Price is opting out of that deal, you're nuts. <laughs> and for any of you chowderheads that believe that David Price now has trade value, you're nuts. Okay, let me, and I'll say it in your own Boston stupid accent. You're nuts. Let me explain something to you. David Price will be paid approximately $131 million over the next four years. Now, it's a little bit less. I think it's 123. 123 over the next four years, which comes out to a lovely, lovely $31 million a year. Seth, how many baseball franchises can afford a $31 million a year pitcher? Four or five. Four? Four or five? Okay, so let's go through them. The Nationals have their own in Max Scherzer. The Astros have their own in Justin Verlander. The Dodgers Mm -hmm. probably have their own in Clayton Kershaw. And the Yankees have a whole lot of a whole lot. And there's no and, way that the Yankees are making a trade with the Red Sox for David no, Price. Nor would, nor would they have interest in David Price to begin with. Because so, for, the, for the most for you, part, they have beaten him like a rented yeah. mule. So, so let's understand Red Sox fans based on, look, Price 
pitched beautifully last night. Let's understand what you would need to do in order to get rid of the $123 million albatross that's called David Price. First of all, you'd have to give up $60 million and pay somebody else to take them. Then you wouldn't be able to get anything back of substance. So you'd have to pay somebody six. You'd have to pull an A-Rod contract like Texas did. I'm going to pay you guys not to play this guy. (laughs) It's not going to happen. David Price will be on, on the roster spring training, first game of the season next year, unless he's on the DL spent last year. So congratulations. You're stuck with David Price. But spoken like so a truly, truly bitter sounding sports fan right there. Look, I will tell you, I don't even if 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 the Mets wanted David Price, I wouldn't want him at that salary. I don't care. No, I don't blame you. But I mean, of all the important players on the Red Sox, David Price probably ranks around ninth, tenth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, where you does have, he rank in salary? Where where is he rank in salary? first of course right but you're paying some of these other guys uh at such minimal salaries um i you know brad i don't know i don't now to be fair i don't know all the salaries for baseball i don't know that i don't know if they, they have a hoop type similar for baseball but you're not you're not playing uh bennett i don't know how to pronounce his last name um you know a heck of a lot as a rookie or as a second you're not paying bets an enormous amount um, you know, they have an extraordinarily young core. And they're going to be good for a very, very long time. So they, there is such a site, my friend. Uh, that I, site I, is I called, know it. it. It's called Spotrack. And you are absolutely right because Spotrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. And the difference is for Spotrack, I don't think they have everybody's salary. Hold on. Let me, if I could sort it by team, Boston. There you go, Boston. No. There we go. So I got it. Oh, yeah, they do. They do. So Betts is earning $10 million. Bogarts is earning seven. But you're right, Benettini, Benintendi, Benintendi is earning $625,000. And Rafael Devers is earning five sixty four. So their their core, their top, like their top five guys are David Price, J.D. Martinez, who may win the MVP, him or Betts, Dustin Pedroia, who didn't play a game all year, Rick Porcello, okay, and Ian Kinsler, who I believe this is the last year of his contract. So, no, he's got one more. So it looks like Kimball's a free agent. They may lose, and that's it. So good luck with that. So, so the Red Sox will be back next year, and Ivaldi, who pitched, you know, it's interesting. If Nathan Ivaldi wins that game, if they, if the Sox win game four, uh, game four, yeah, game three, yeah, if they win game game three, was the long game, yeah, game three, yeah, if they win game three. I think Nathan Ivaldi may win the MVP. He may. He was that good. He was that good. He was better than he was. I, I look. I've seen. He ranks right up there 
the top three playoff performances that I've ever seen, pitching, and I mean seeing it live, not seeing it on TV, uh, not, I mean, not seeing it on video, I mean seeing it actually in, in real time. Madison Baumgartner, Pedro Martinez, and Nathan Ivaldi. And Ivaldi lost. But he, to come in and throw 97 pitches and only give up one earned run, MVP. I mean, ridiculousness. But next year they'll be back. And next year, today they were uh, listed with Vegas as the co-favorites with the Houston Astros for next year. And we can talk more about the free agency in the next couple of weeks. Next week, I believe, Seth, is our both election, uh, election night or ele- pre-election night preview and college basketball. Because college basketball has started in earnest uh, in the next two weeks. So we get your favorite, one of your favorite previews, and one of the previews where I learn that there is a Tennessee, Ma- Tennessee Valley Conference somewhere, probably in Tennessee. <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I don't know how much detail we're going to go into on the, our political uh, end, but we will we'll talk a little, and we'll talk a little bit, of, a little bit of uh, football as well, and or a little bit of uh, college hoops as well. You know, and I probably, you know, look, I took the Dodgers in six. I think that was more of a hope pick than a reality pick. I also had said that I thought the four best teams in baseball last year all were the American League. And no question about it. Going into next year, I'm not sure that's going to be. That's going to be any different. Um, what I'm not sure on is, you know, Cleveland is the question for me because, you know, it, it, they cruised through the division last year without a problem because the division is so bad. And are they going to be able to take a step back up when, you know, in the playoffs come this next year? Again, I don't see any major, I don't see anyone threatening them. You know, you don't have a Yankee team like the Yankees will, you know, will challenge Boston. In Houston, you know, Oakland and Seattle and California, like they're not great teams, but they're certainly better than what the Central has. And we'll sure. see where Cleveland can go. Well, you're also looking at where these where these free agents are going, right? And look, this is the first year in a very long time you have free agents that are in their prime. We haven't said this very often. Most times, uh, most times players sign their six- or seven-year deals as the Cleveland Indians started the trend in the 90s of, starting your, of signing your pre-arbitration guys a little earlier. And so you got them into their, their late 20s, maybe early 30s before these guys got free agency. You have two huge free agents that are in the prime of their careers, in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. And look, if Machado and Harper both go, if, if Harper comes to L.A. And, Machado's in L- and Machado stays in L.A., granted, that's a huge bill. But Machado's not staying in L.A. My, my point is your top four can easily sway. If both of these sure. guys go to one team, you could have a difference of opinion in about 10 minutes. And, okay, Fair. so let me put you on the spot. You got three major free agents, Kershaw, Machado, and Harper. Granted, I know it's the day after the World Series has ended, 
give me three locations. Or it may be one location. I don't know. Where are these guys going? Kershaw stays. Um, I don't have a feel for where Machado goes. If there's a team that's going to take on both of them, it's going to be Philly. Scott Boris has already said that uh, Harper's, for all intents and purposes, agreed on a deal, which as far as I know is illegal, unless it's a re-sign with, um, with Washington because the free agency market hasn't started yet. Now, you're the expert on this, so tell me if I'm wrong. Well, the, well to answer that question, Seth, their contracts expired at midnight last night. So they technically are free agents as of today. So if they, if he says he's got a contract today, he's got a contract today. That's it. He can have one. You notice how he didn't say that yesterday. He said it today. No, this came out yesterday. And a contract. Okay. So if a contract has been agreed upon, the only team that it could be agreed upon with, I believe, is the team he's currently with, which would be well, Washington. Let, let's now, understand. Agreed, agreed upon and terms and conditions agreed upon, right? I mean, look, you and I can agree upon the, the principal terms of something without actually signing a document, right? So if you – if you believe his statement that everything's been signed and dotted, yes, there's only one team it could be, and that's the national. No, I, I don't if believe any. Believe, I don't believe Scott Boris would ever do something so ridiculous. Right. I here's my thing. I don't believe Scott Boris would do anything until free agency started. Yeah, that's what I found it so weird. Because of all people, he strikes me as he would wait to see what the market because. He's always been one for, okay, for the biggest deal, which is what he gets, look, what's what he gets paid for. Absolutely. I, you know, okay. I found it a bit surprising so where, to hear this. So where do you okay. think he winds up? Give me Bryce Harper. Now, we're doing this on October 29th, and if he's not signed by the uh, winter meetings, I'm sure we'll get to that again. I think he goes to Philly. Okay. And what about Machado? Both in Philly? I think so. I, I know he wants to come to the Yankees. I don't, I don't see it. The way he handled himself the last month of the season seems to kind of be contrarian with what Cashman is bringing in with this, with this, with this point. The Dodgers aren't going to keep him because Corey Seager comes, because uh, Seager comes back next year. Correct. Um, Philly has the room. It's a winnable. You can win very quickly there. To me, I I, I think I see them both going to Philly, but uh, it, it's 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 certainly not something which is which I have which I have any real inside information on. Okay, so I think you're right on Machado. I think he goes to Philly. I think here's your surprise for Harper. I think he goes to San Francisco. Really? They're losing Hunter. They're, so Hunter Pence is gone. His contract is over. Andrew McCutcheon's contract is over. They do not want to trade Madison Baumgartner. They don't. They have no desire to do it. They have Brandon Crawford. They have, a, they have Buster Posey. They have a team that's capable 
of contending. Their outfield has been horrendous the last four years. If they could, that's why they got Andrew McCutcheon to begin with. They just need somebody to play the outfield and hit the damn ball. And he would love hitting to right field in that park. I think he goes yes, to San Francisco. I think Machado is, you're right, is in Philadelphia. Although an interesting Philadelphia. I'm wondering where the protection is besides Ryan Hoskins. And then you have Kershaw, I agree, going back to L.A. on a David Price-type contract, which, you know, sometimes you have something around sentimentality, but at the same time, he's not worth that money anymore. You're paying him strictly for sentimentality, and you're paying him, you hope he takes a shorter deal. You hope he takes a four-year deal and not the type of deal that, could be a seven-year deal. Kershaw doesn't seem to be the type of guy that wants to play into his 40s. He, he seems a little bit of, of the low key. I do think the Yankees, and I know we, we're not going to do the whole preview today on the free agency, but I do think that the Yankees strike and they get Patrick Corbin from the yeah, Arizona. Arizona. I agree. Yep. Uh, I think they get a lot. Corbin is, is a New York State guy. He said his dream was always to play for the Yankees. He was excellent this year. He's young. He could. He seems to have the mentality to handle New York, which is obviously always a question mark. And you know, the Yankees need now again Severino. At times looks like an ace. At times looks like a starter in Triple A. And again, whether it's because he's tipping his pitches or not, I, I don't really know. Um, they need an ace. Philly has sale. Boston has sale. Houston has Verlander. Now, I'm not putting Corbin at that level, but the Yankees also have a bullpen that's that's as good as any of them. As as better, excuse me, as better than all of them. So at least you need somebody, and you're not going to get Kershaw, and they don't want Kershaw. You want someone young who can pitch for them for the next four or five years. To me, Corbin makes the most sense. Agreed. As somebody that doesn't follow the Diamondbacks very often, which I assume is you, um, just because you're not the huge baseball guy and they're on the West Coast, Corbin's not an ace. He's just not. Granky, Granky, he's not. I thought, well, is, is he Sonny Gray? Granky's the ace. Well, he, he is better than Sonny Gray, but he's that type of guy. He's a 2-3. He is nowhere near an ace. He's not a guy that I thought, you're going to send. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I thought that this year he had kind of established himself as the as an ace type. Am I wrong? Again, I well, I am don't okay. Sh- okay. very so much Corbin, Cor- Corbin has a lot of good stuff, okay? He had when you look at what he's done and I'll pull up his actual stats, but he's not an overpowering guy. He's not a guy that's going to He's not a Granky. He he went so this year he went eleven and seven with a three point one five ERA. He did have more strikeouts than innings. It's surprising to me. He had two forty six in two hundred innings, which I believe is a little over what he's done in the past. So in the past he's averaged a little bit less than a strikeout per inning. And this year at age twenty eight, he had he had his by far his best year, at least um, at least in the peripherals, he went 11 and seven 
uh, with a 3.15 ERA. He's 28 years old. He's not a young guy. So, right. so you may be getting maybe his best two two years, but you know you're not signing Patrick Corbin to a two-year contract, right? You're signing him to more of a four or a five. It's so you'll get him at the 33 and the, so the 33, 34 years. Okay. So we're at the bottom of the hour. If you'd like to call in again, 760-283-0846, 760-283-0846. We're going to go to our top five things that we'd like changed in sports. Again, 760-283-0846. And, of course, we'll stop with five minutes left in the broadcast in order to give our final points. So, Seth, give me the sport and then give me the change. All right. We'll start with pro football. Um, you kind of mentioned it, but I'm going to change it around a little bit because I'm not going to get rid of pass interference, but I'm going to limit the yardage on a pass interference call. Just as if there's an offensive pass interference call, it's usually a 10-yard or 15-yard penalty. There should be no reason that a 50-yard – you should have a 50-yard penalty on pass interference. Limit it to, the, limit you, it to 10 or 15. So do you believe, which is the reason why it's never been changed, that that cornerbacks will take advantage of him every time they're beat, they will just trip the guy. No, because look, fifteen is still fifteen yards, and I realize fifteen yards is better than a touchdown. I mean, it's certainly better than a touchdown, but no, you're not. I, I don't. I don't think so. I, I could be wrong, okay. but I don't think so. And okay, I, I can't base I can't base something on that. Okay. And that is the reason why it has not been changed in the past, um, is that the NFL fears that any time a wide receiver is beat, every time a cornerback or a safety is beat, they will just help bring them down. You will not have big plays because any time there's the potential for a big play, like we saw last night, Jare Alexander was able to catch up to certain players that won't happen. You'd rather give up a 10-yard penalty every single time than the possibility of a 50-yard 50 50 yard bump. Okay, so I'm going to stay in football since you brought it up. I know this will never happen. Let's understand. This is, this is one of those things that's, that's way off the reservation, but I'd love to see it. I want them to remove helmets. I think helmets cause more injuries than they help. Because you have a helmet on, a player views it as a way to make a tackle, not necessarily the right way to make a tackle. And I think you get more concussions because of the helmet than you do without the helmet. Your thoughts? I like it, to be perfectly honest. Um, You are going way off the reservation on that one because that will never happen. Agreed. I think, it, look, it's kind of the whole question of talking about people getting beat, you know, having so many concussions before you even hit college at this point, you know, let alone the pros where the guys are, you know, extra, you know, the athleticism is unfathomable. I don't have a huge issue with it, to be perfectly honest. You know, there's always going to be the one guy, the Vontaze Burflex, for lack of a better term, who's just going to be, you know, helmet be damned, I'm still doing the same thing because that's just how he's built. But you know, look, it'll improve form, and if you can lower concussions by 50 60%, hey, I'm all in favor of it. Here's the thing about Vontaze Burfecht. 
if you've noticed, he's hurt other people, but he's never hurt himself. Any of those, any of those hits, he hasn't hurt himself. You take away his helmet and he goes in like that, I don't care who the heck you are. You lead with your helmet. You lead with your head without a helmet. You can hit a person anywhere and everywhere, and you will come out on the bad end of that. So, yes, you will. So, you know what? Fontes Burvick be damned. And, look, we've, we've used I, – I can't say negative things about the man all the time. We did use him on our fantasy league team when he first came out. So, mm-hmm. But the fact is, he's a dirty player. I think everybody acknowledges that, and he leads with his head more than he does anything else. I think if – look, there's a um, – I know there's a movie. I can't remember what it is, but the guy leads with the wrong part of his body, and he gets knocked out, and that's the end. You're done. So, okay, number two, Seth, please. Contract the NCAA tournament back to 64 teams, please. The first four is the stupidest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. I have been complaining about it since from the outset, and I remember when we had the Bataillos on the show, and his view was, you know, he liked it. And look, it's been good for you as a Syracuse fan. It's gotten you into the tournament a couple of times, including once I think where you went to the final four, the first year VCU went to the final four with it. And that was his justification. And you're just not his, yours, his justification of why it should exist. No, 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 no. It's ridiculous. Suppose that there is, if you can't make the, if you're not one of the best 32 playing teams, I don't need four more. I don't need it. It's just extra revenue. It's, it's just, it, it's a waste. And it's silly. And people said, water, you know, 64 is watered down. 64 is fun. The first four days of the tournament are the most fun sports four days of the year. I don't, I don't need it down to four. I get rid of the first four. It's just stupid. To be fair, no, I don't think I've, I've ever said that the first four are a valid thing to have. I was happy they had them. I don't think I've no, ever never said, no, Nab- oh, I tell you, well, Nabate is no, going to take never, every view that I, ha- that I have and go the opposite way. So that, that's, that's normal. It's part for the course. Okay. Please, for the love, if you're going to have a Hall of Fame in football, don't have a minimum amount of people. Have it or don't have it. You, you don't need to have a minimum amount of people. I, I have a really hard time. Look, Seth is the first person to say that the Hall of Fame is the Hall of the very best, the greatest of the great. It's not the Hall of Good. My take is have as many people as you want in the Hall of Fame in a year. If you want 20 people in the Hall of Fame, have them all in the Hall of Fame. But they all have to be voted on, and there is not a – well, we have to take four, or we have to take six. Look, we may not like the way that the Baseball Hall of Fame does things. We may not like the way that the Baseball Hall of Fame limits you to 10 people voting, and we may not like the way that the Baseball Hall of Fame sometimes elects nobody. But it's better than saying there's a minimum to me, because I think a minimum detracts from the greatness of the game. You know my feelings on this. And to be fair, Seth, you and, I, you and I are not changing sports here. We're changing something outside of the sports. Maybe we yeah. should look to change. Maybe we should look uh, for our next three, look to change something within the sport itself. 
Well, I have one more that's within this, outside the sport and two within. Okay. Um, what do you got? All right. Boxing. Um, boxing, although it's kind of had a bit of an uptick recently because of um, – for a variety of reasons, and UFC's taken a step back, there's still a lot of problems trying to figure out who legitimate champions are and that some of them don't fight. They just never do. Um, I want short of injury. I want every box, every boxing champion defending his title at least three times, you know, not at least three times a year, at least minimum of two, probably three times a year, or you, or you lose your championship. I'm tired of seeing someone keep a championship for two years, having returned, having, having kept it once, having defended it once. It's silly. You're a champion. You know, you guys like Muhammad, guys like Sugar Ray Robinson, you know, guys like Archie Moore, guys who fought, Every month, I'm not saying you need to do that, but two to three times, twice, minimum of twice a year. I would prefer three. Is not asking too much. If you can't do that, you should not. Then, you know, you, you, then you shouldn't have the right to hold the championship belt. Okay, so let me fight devil's advocate here, Seth. Do you think it's the boxer or do you think it's the promoter? And the reason I say this is because if you have one fight with, let's bring a fighter in, Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, I'm bringing somebody from way back, but it, it doesn't matter. If you fight every month, you're not going to get the eyes. You're not going to get the pay-per-view. You're just not no, going I to get it. Because I didn't say, I if, you didn't say fight, every month. if you fight every If you fight three times a year every four months, you probably won't get it either. So I think a lot I, of it is how many eyes and what is the wherewithal that boxing people – can spend, right? Because these pay-per-views are not cheap. Well, but what's happened is there's been a transition in the last six months, actually, where ESPN and Top Rank have joined forces. And a lot of the big ESPN fights are now going to be on ESPN Plus, which is $5 a month. The biggest one is this this, this, uh, channel called DAZN, which is um, out of the UK. And Eddie Hearn, who runs Matchroom, which is the biggest UK, and you're paying $9 a month. So while there'll be some pay-per-views, a lot of them, a lot of the big fights this year have been on ESPN. Or have been on show. HBO's out of it. So the HBO pay-per-views are gone. So yeah, you know, you're still going to have some. It's not the same degree. And look, if you're a big boxing fan, and you can watch huge fights every week, you're going to pay $10 a month for that. If that's your sport. You know, for okay, ESPN, fair Plus, you're going to pay $5 a month. And I think that's part of it, though. If you were able to guarantee, like, all right, so HBO made their money, not on boxing, right? They made their money as the place to go to watch movies, right? When they came out after they were on Betamax or VHS or whatever. The first place they went to after pay-per-view was HBO. That's where they made their money. That's where they started, home box office network. If you could have, like the WWE, and I'm not comparing the sports, but there's one place to go. That's it, one place. If you could have a boxing channel for $10 a month where all, all boxing took place, I think you'd get that. I think you'd get, just like you do WWE, and I didn't think that was going to succeed, and it's succeeded like crazy. 
because people don't pay for the pay-per-views then. It's included in their package. If you ran yeah. with a channel like that, I think that would work. The problem is there's well, too many what, different parties. Well, that's what that DAZN is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And ESPN, look, a lot of the fights, are, you know, you've seen Manny Pacquiao on regular ESPN. You've seen Terrence Crawford on ESPN, regular ESPN. You've seen Basil Lomachenko on regular ESPN. Now, again, other than, than Pacquiao, the other two names may not be familiar to you. But they're two of the top three fighters in the world. And they were on Saturday night, and they did really, some of them did some really good numbers. So, you know, it's never going to be more than a niche sport at this point. But you can, you know, and probably what I would have added to that is even, there can only be one, you know, if you're going to have these different, you know, WBC, WBA, IBF, you can only have one champion. There can't be, you know, like some of these, there's an interim champion and then a supplemental champion and then a diamond champion. There's one where there's, I think, four champions in the weight class under, like, the IBF. It can't be done. Mm-hmm. There's one, period. Okay. So I'm going to com- use two sports but the same rule. Please eliminate shootouts to end games. So that goes for soccer and that goes for hockey. They're not part of the sport. They don't use the skills that the sport... You've played 60 minutes, you've played 90 minutes, you've played 100 minutes. I don't care. It's a game of attrition. Play it. Play the game. I understand, Seth, that these guys get tired. I get it. But in the NHL, you're going to play... You play in the playoffs until the end of the game. Or ties are okay. I've never... I didn't mind a tie when they played for it. Uh, you want to make the point system in the NHL three for a regular regular victory, two for a, for an overtime victory, and one for a tie. I'm okay with that Fine. too. But for the love of God, please take out take out the shootouts because they may have been exciting like interleague play, but they're not exciting anymore. Okay, you're up. you got two more. All right. For the love of God. Uh, Ten minutes. Ten minutes. For the love of God, define a catch. It's not that difficult. <laughs> it's a freaking catch. This has become ludicrous. Absolutely and utterly ludicrous. They've done better so this year. They've done better. But there have still been some – it is better, but there have still been some confusing plays. There were a couple early on, and I don't remember the specific. It's a bleeping catch. It shouldn't be that hard, really. I'll keep that. I'll keep that as short as possible. Yeah. Okay. So, another one that will never get into the books, but I'll throw it out there anyway because I'm an optimist, and who knows? Maybe someday. Maybe. Please. Put a salary cap in Major League Baseball, please. <laughs> because for every – well, and I'm not saying this to the Mets. I, I'm really not. I'm saying this for teams like the Padres and teams like Kansas City and teams like Pittsburgh. There was an article on The Athletic, and again, I've been reading more and more of The Athletic recently. Oh, like Katie Strange, who Katie Strange, who used to write for ESPN, wrote for, I believe, a newspaper in Michigan for a while very good in hockey. And she said, what would happen 
if there was a soft cap in the NHL. And the end result was if there was a soft cap in the NHL, which basically means you can re-sign your guys, right, over the cap, much the same way as the NBA has. Toronto would never lose another game <laughs> because they have, all the, they have all the talent and then went out and signed John Tavares, and now they can re-sign their own talent. Now they're in a crunch. By the way, little fact that I learned today, do you know the Larry Bird rule was made, but Larry Bird wasn't signed using it the first time? I did not. So, okay, very quick digression, then we'll get on to something else. The Larry Bird rule, the, the first salary cap in, in the NBA, I believe, was in 1983, somewhere around that. It was $3.6 million. Yes, now you can start laughing. What happened was there were five teams, I learned this through the athletic too, five teams that were over $5 million. And because they were over $5 million, that was their salary cap. That was it. The rest of the league could re-sign their guys for as much as they wanted for one offseason. So the Lakers were over it, the Knicks were over it, other teams were over it. The Celtics weren't over it. So what the, the Knicks wanted to do was sign Kevin McHale. So the Lakers pulled a very shrewd and fast one and signed Rory Sparrow and a couple of other of the Knicks players to offer sheets, which the Knicks had to, had to match, put them over the salary cap, and then the Celtics could sign Larry Bird and Kevin McHale. And then the Larry Bird rule was instituted the next year. That's funny. So Larry Bird had already been Larry Bird had already been signed. Again, great article by Katie Strange on the Athletic. Check it out. Soft caps, but really, I don't care if you have a soft cap or a hard cap, and you kind of have a soft cap right now with the luxury tax. It's got to be brought back, and there's got to be a minimum, and there's got to be parameters because there's just too much disparity in Major League Baseball. You're going to have the same teams next year. We we talked about the Warriors and the Cavs and how it was fait accompli. Seth, how many teams out of these eight teams that made the playoffs this year are not going to make it next year, if you had to guess? Two? In baseball we're talking about? Yeah, in baseball. You're not talking about, you're not, oh, ten. Isn't, didn't ten teams make it? Ten teams made it. Sorry. How many are not going to make it? Maybe three? The Red Sox are going to make it. The Yankees are going to make it. The, the Dodgers the are going to make American, it. Four of the five of the American League will make it. Um, I, I don't know about the wild card team. But in the National League, Chicago will make it. The Dodgers will make it. Um, the Cardinals will probably make it, even though they didn't make it this year. The Nationals yeah, then you're, will probably – the Nationals – I'm just saying you're, you're, you're at the upper echelon – Oh, yeah. salaries, right? You're not. You're Ooh. not looking. You're not saying Pittsburgh's going to make it. You're not saying no. that San Diego's the Royals are going to make it or San Diego, right? It's just not number five for you, my friend, because we have uh, six, seven minutes left. All right, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to skip baseball and I'm going to go straight to okay. My probably my favorite sport at this point is college football, and. I'm going to, you know, we have, there's 41 bowls. There are. So what am I going to do? Which is utterly insane because you should not be rewarding six and six, nor should you be rewarding seven and five. Um, I'm not going to do something ridiculous like get rid of all of them. But what I'm going to say is 
lessen them by a third, knock them down from 41 to 30, and double the playoff. You knock out, you pretty much knock out the six and six and seven and five teams. And I'm, I believe in the 18 playoff as well. You have your five, your five division, your five conference winners. You have one, you know, group of five, whatever it is, non-powerhouse conference champion, and you have your two wild cards. And this way we get rid of the points. What'd you say? Yeah, I think we, you and I have always agreed that eight, eight teams in the playoff is the right way to go. It is. Rather than four. Yep. And nothing has okay. changed my nothing don't think anything's gonna change my mind on that. And okay, so you, look, no, companies sorry. teams like Buffalo lose money going to bowls. If they're seven you know, if they're nine and three, God bless them, go ahead. If you're seven and five in your central Michigan, you don't need to travel to Tennessee for the Liberty Bowl. You just don't. And nor would a seven nor would a seven and five Maryland team, which is where probably we're gonna we're gonna end up this year. So Okay, so one comment to you, and then my last one. Um, so if we go seven and five, I want to go to a bowl game. I'm just telling you that. Congratulations to Syracuse making the rankings for the first time since 2001. So 17 years. Yeah, seriously. Uh, great game against North Carolina State, which I watched during a Toby Keith concert on my phone. So uh, how was the Toby Keith concert? I have no idea. I had my headphones and I was watching the game on my phone for three and a half hours. I have absolutely, I paid 50, my, my sister-in-law said to me, you paid $57 to watch your phone. I go, eh, it was good Wi-Fi. So, okay. So the last change that I would make, the last change I would make would be in hockey, international hockey, let the, Players play in the Olympics, for the love of God, please. Because international hockey is just not as much fun. And you, you don't get, know who any of the guys are. Well, you spoiled us by – you can't – I, I understand the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but you can't do that. You're being an Indian giver. You already gave us the NHL in the playoffs. You can't – in the Olympics. You can't take it back now. Now we want it. Now we want it. If you – I was always a proponent of never putting uh, professionals in the Olympics, but now you already gave it to me, so I'm done. Five minutes left. I will go first. Number one, congratulations again to the Syracuse Orange. Very proud to be uh, an SU Orangeman today, yesterday, making the rankings. Basketball is about to start. This is the best fall we've had in a very long time. And the best part is all these allegations that are going around, don't involve us one iota. It's great. Okay, the second thing is, and final, is as much as I am very proud to be a Syracuse grad, you know, and I don't sigh like that very often, but when your baseball team hires a damn agent to be your general manager who has absolutely no experience whatsoever, why us? Like, really, why us? Like, uh, you're going to compare us? You're going to compare Brody uh, – I can't remember the guy's name. Brody Van Wa- Wagenen. Brody Van Wagenen, who is the agent or former agent to Noah Syndergaard and Jacob deGrom. That's not a conflict of interest. And you're going to compare him to Bob Quinn. And I know this comparison's coming. Well, Bob Quinn is the, goal- is the Golden State Warriors general manager. Bob Myers. And he was an eight. 
Bob Myers. Bob Myers. And he was Bob Quinn, sorry. Bob Quinn's in Detroit being the general manager of the Detroit Lions. Bob Myers. He was a, an agent before he became a general manager. So if he can do it, this guy can do it. Well, to all those idiots that are using that, he also tutored under Dennis Lindsay as an assistant general manager for a year. He did not make the jump straight. Of all teams, the Mets need respectability at the top. And this just makes them look like idiots. I mean, absolute idiots. Almost as much as any NBA team that thinks about hiring Rick Pitino as a coach. Okay. You're up. I like that little jab at the end. Um, I think Patino coming to the NBA makes a lot more sense than you hiring an agent as your GM for whatever it's worth. Not that I think people are Wait, a Patino today, a, a today's Patino or a, a Nick's Patino way back when? What I was going to say is not that I think people are jonesing to have Patino at this point. Um, and I don't see him as a head coach at this point. I, but I can, you know, he's going to be a consultant forever. That'll be what he'll do. Um, a relatively tough weekend. You know, a couple of years ago, we had, you know, Cleveland, the Cleveland Cavs, you know, won their championship. They became title town. And this is the first time since 1964. Well, tough week for Cleveland, for Cleveland coaching. Uh, at least Terry Francona is still there. But Tyrone Liu out. Hugh Jackson fired today. You know, the argument with Tyrone Liu is, you know, was he simply the beneficiary of LeBron James? And that's always been my view, and I think you knew that. Um, that there was not anything that he particularly brought that made him an extraordinary coach in any way, and this would have been a good time to prove it. Now, again, there were fight. Apparently, there was a lot of arguing between him and Kobe Altman, the GM, um, which, you know, he wanted to play more of the veterans, Corver, uh, J.R. Smith. You know, Altman wanted Colin Sexton getting more burn. The reality is, and, and, and there was just no mesh at this point. The reality is, look, it's a fault on a lot of people. You know, I'm sure he didn't want to trade Kyrie Irving. I'm sure, you know, he would, you know, when you lose Kyrie Irving, you lose, you know, lose LeBron James. It doesn't lead to, it leads to a, certainly a paucity of talent. But 0-7 or 0-6 was not a way to start, and it didn't look like it was going to get any better. You know, Lou almost quit before this year. Hopefully he'll get better, you know, physically and mentally get a little bit better before he comes back for another coaching job, which I'm sure he'll get. Um, Hugh Jackson, Todd Haley fired today. John Dorsey puts up with no crap. And Jackson, for as much as he was talking, is 336-1 and one as a coach. Give me a break. And, you know, it, it was – it was inevitable. I didn't know it was going to happen during the year. Usually it happens a little bit later in the year, but I think it's just it becomes so confrontational. You saw that a little bit during hard knocks. And they need to bring – this is a, this is now a team with some respectability. You have some talent on both sides of the ball. Miles Garrett, Jameel Preppers, um, Baker Mayfield, Josh, uh, Josh Gordon, excuse me, Jarvis Landry, so on and so forth. You need, to bring, in, done. You need to bring in – Say bring goodbye. In. Okay. Goodbye. All right. For Seth Kamen, this is Sean Palmer, Blog Talk Radio. Our condolences go out to Pittsburgh. We will see you next week. Have a good night.